Hey everyone, it's Brandy here, and welcome to episode 81 of the Quilter on Fire podcast. Can you believe you have listened to over 80 episodes of this podcast? The guests have been so amazing, and if you are sitting there right now thinking, I haven't even listened to close to 80 episodes, then bonus, you can go back and scroll through all of the guests while you're walking the dog, driving, doing the dishes, or quilting, of course. It's the perfect way to get things done, and the time will fly by in an instant. I love cooking or doing chores with my earbuds in listening to a great podcast. So this is the Tour of England and Wales recap with all the great clips from the Festival of Quilts Birmingham. I met so many wonderful humans. I had so much fun on this dream trip and I want to share it all with you. If you have been to the Festival of Quilts Birmingham, then I hope I bring back some fond memories. And if you've never been, maybe my stories will entice you into traveling across the pond one year to see one of the best annual shows in the UK. Today, I'll bring you some stories about my trip and interviews with vendors and more. I talked to the vendors that caught my eye with interesting displays and I asked some featured artists and quilters about their exhibits. So I'll bring you dozens of great sound bites today. Welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast. So let me start off by telling you a bit about how I got involved in the Tour of England and Wales and the Festival of Quilts. Opulent Quilt Journeys invited me to be a tour leader because they'd heard I'd done a cruise and other travel in the past, and I jumped the chance. Festival of Quilts has been top of the bucket list for me, so I was a yes immediately. I hadn't been to London in almost 20 years, and there were a bunch of UK designers that I would love to meet, plus the bonus of Wales. It was a dream trip for sure. It was also the perfect opportunity to come up with a podcast full of quilty goodness for you in case you have this trip on your bucket list for next year. Then, as I planned my trip, I happened to be interviewing the fabric designer and quilt maker, Anna Maria Horner. She was a delight to interview and the episode was wonderful, so Free Spirit Fabrics reached out to me to plan some further collaborations, including Kay Facet, so we started planning. If you've been listening to the last four episodes, you can see that that project really blossomed into something special with the entire Kay Facet Collective, and I'm so proud to have shared their stories with you. Be sure to go back and listen to the Anna Maria Horner podcast if you've missed it, and all four of the K-Facet Collective podcasts, including Liza Lucy, Philip Jacobs, Brandon Mabley, and of course, K-Facet. According to the podcast stats, these episodes have been very well loved. I want to add in a huge thank you here to Opulent Quilt Journeys. The team at Opulent Quilt Journeys works tirelessly to organize every single detail of every tour with the traveler in mind. I know firsthand that if any detail is out of place, they fix it on the fly as we go. The hotels were very nice, the food was delicious, the destinations were world-renowned, and of course, the Festival of Quilts Birmingham was a highlight of the trip. They searched out the best local guides and drivers, we loved Janet and Colin, and we were all safe and happy the entire trip. This is a great tour company to travel with, 
even if you are a lone traveler. So thank you to Opulent Quilt Journeys for inviting me to be a tour leader. You can check out their website at opulentquiltjourneys.com. Another really wonderful thing that happened leading up to this trip was I reached out to my friend Tara Sinclair of Uh-Oh Creations. I really love her Logan sling pack, so I asked her if she would be willing to lend me one of her samples, and then I could use it on the trip, and then I could talk about it and advertise for her a bit, and she said, no, I'm not going to lend you one of my samples. I'm going to make you one from scratch with the fabric of your choice. So of course, I had to choose cave fabrics. We chose them together online, and it was so fun, and she made me the bag, and I wore it the entire entire trip. Not only did Kafe and Brandon love it, but I got so much attention at the quilt show that I was talking about Tara and her business, Uh Oh Creations, throughout the entire quilt show. So if you want to check it out, go to uohcreations.com and search for the Logan Sling Pack. You can make it yourself. So let's get started with the podcast recap when I arrived in London a few days before the official tour even began with a quick little trip to Kay Facet's studio. After interviewing all four members of the Kay Facet Collective, I really felt like I'd known them a while. I planned to arrive in London early in case of plane delays, so I bravely asked Brandon Mabley if they'd be willing to have me for a visit. I was thrilled that he said yes, so I hopped on the underground, which they call the Tube, in London, you know, the place where they say, mind the gap, and I headed off to North London. It was such a thrill to meet Brandon and Kaif in person and tour their incredible home. Kaif is known as the man of color, and it was everything you would imagine. Art styled and filled with color, top to bottom, with floor coverings, embroidered cushions, chairs, wallpaper, mosaic tiles, shelves filled with fabric, cupboards filled with quilts, collections of ceramic figurines, Buddhas, all reminiscent of their travels, their inspirations, and their own personal design. Even the garden was bursting with colorful flowers and mosaic pots. I could have wandered forever looking at every detail in every room. And even though I'd spent a combination of about six hours interviewing Kafe and friends for the podcast, I just wanted to sit with Kafe and Brandon and chat some more. If you want to see some gorgeous visuals of my visit with Kafe and Brandon, find Quilter on Fire on TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook to see exclusive footage of the visit. And while you're there, be sure to like and follow for more great videos of my quilting adventures, especially the recent Festival of Quilts Birmingham. And thank you so much to Kafe and Brandon for having me in their home. This next segment of the podcast will be a glimpse into the opulent quilt journeys tour of England and Wales and all the fantastic highlights along the way. First, let's talk shopping. Throughout our tour, we shopped on Gold Hawk Road, which was lined with fabric shops that catered to everyone from the bargain hunter to the designer embroidery collector. We also visited Lady So-and-So, a massive family-run quilt shop with loads to offer. They were so pleased to have us and catered to our every need. One traveler even purchased so much that she had to have it shipped home. It was so nice to see UK fabrics we don't usually find at home. Another day we visited Calico Kate Quilt Shop. Again, we poured through that shop with over 12 rooms filled with quilting fabric. 
Now to do a quick run through of the tour of England and Wales. Here are some of the highlights. Day one was arrival day where we all checked into the first hotel and we met each other at the welcome dinner. On day two, we did a panoramic tour of London by coach and visited the Tower of London with the Queen's Jewels and the Victoria and Albert Museum. There were incredible fashion and textile exhibits there, but my favorite ended up being the contemporary glass. Day three, we shopped the iconic Liberty of London. There was a floor after floor of Liberty shopping with one entire floor dedicated to fabric. Then we were off to Abbey Road, London, where we marched across the famous Beatles crosswalk and visited the Antique Textiles Company. This was a highlight for many, and the owner opened up the shop just for us. On day four, we hit Lady So-and-So, the quilt shop, which I already mentioned, and then we did a walkabout at the Windsor Castle. Day five, we visited Stonehenge and stopped at the Salisbury Cathedral for lunch and an outdoor market. On day six was the Roman Baths. This was so cool, with a walking tour and audio guide, followed by a trip to the American Museum and Gardens. There was a nice display of antique quilts here. Day seven was the village of Castlecombe in the Cotswolds, and then a tour of Caffili Castle. I loved the hotel this night because there was a giant carousel of horses in the nearby square. Day eight was a panoramic tour of Cardiff and St. Fagan's National History Museum. At this location, they had taken historic buildings down all over Wales and relocated them to this site to be meticulously rebuilt in the original style. I tried to get in every single farmhouse, barn, mercantile, mill, schoolhouse, church, and more. They were all amazing. On day nine, the Jen Jones Welsh Quilt Center was a thrill for me. I met and spoke to Jen about vintage quilts for an hour as the quilters toured about and then slipped over to Calico Kate's Quilt Shop next door. I'll just mention here that all of the hotels were quite luxury, but this night we stayed at the Nantios Mansion in Wales. This was the hotel highlight for everyone on the trip. We all loved this mansion estate. On day 10, a tour of a small town in Wales called Ilandilos, which is very hard to say, I'm not even sure if I said it right, in Wales, was the Minerva Art Centre. This place had a display of vintage quilts and a small fiber art show. Days 11 and 12 were the Festival of Quilts Birmingham. Everyone on the tour had their own agenda they wanted to take in at the show, so I was actually able to explore a bit on my own and get in a few interviews. So let's take a look at our sponsors right now and then get on to my chats with a few of the vendors. And be sure to stay tuned to the end because I chat with a few quilt influencers and winners as well. And of course, there are prizes. So listen in. We'll be right back. Today's podcast is sponsored by Free Spirit Fabrics. Get to know the members of the K Facet Collective, featuring fabric designs from K Facet, Brandon Mabley, and Philip Jacobs. The collective launches a vibrant new range in spring and fall each year. From these, Kaif handpicks particular fabrics for his exciting quilt designs, which are featured in his patchwork and quilting books. Liza Lucy works collaboratively with Kaif on these publications and more by providing outstanding teaching skills and guidance on the practical aspects of quilt construction. 
Follow them at Cave Facet Studio and at Brandon Mabley Designs. You can also check out the Cave Facet Collective Facebook group. And just to add a little personal note here, I have really been loving this Facebook group. It's all about everything the K-Facet Collective is up to with loads of inspiring posts featuring K-Facet fabrics. And it's so inspiring. Our next sponsor for today is Oliso. The Oliso TG1600 Pro Plus Smart Iron has iTouch technology. Simply touch the handle and the iron lowers, ready to work. Take your hand off and the patented scorch guards lift the iron off the board, preventing scorches, burns, and tipping. It's not only safer, but it also saves time as well as your wrists. A 12-foot swivel cord, 12.7-ounce water tank, and ceramic flow sole plate are just a few of its new features. Pair it with the M2 Pro Mini Project Iron and your pressing needs are complete. Go to oliso.com slash collections slash smart dash irons or follow them at Oliso Home on Instagram. And our next sponsor for today is Orafil. Orafil is an accomplished Italian company based in Milan, specializing in the production of 100% cotton threads. The threads have achieved worldwide success thanks to a dedicated tribe of quilters, sewists, embroiderers, and textile artists who herald the thread for its versatility, its strength, and the fact that it produces virtually no lint. Orophil has been honored to collaborate with the CAFE Collective on a series of curated thread sets over the past three years, including a range of brilliant and bold colors in both 12-weight and 50-weight. Head to your local quilt shop this fall to grab Cave's brand new set in celebration of his 85th year. And we are back. So let's get into some short and sweet interviews with some of the vendors at Festival of Quilts Birmingham. So I have come across the Orofil booth. What a great setup you have. It's gorgeous. All kinds of different things on display this year, different kinds of thread. So what is your name and what are you featuring here today? Uh, my name is Jenny Smith and we've worked with Orofil at the Festival of Quilts for a good few years now. We always love to champion our British designers, particularly at this show and the new collections they've got out. So we've got some interesting boxes. We've got a nice um, mixed weight box from Nicholas Ball that he's been using for his trapunto and his temperature quilts so that's got 12 weight thread which you can use by hand it's more like a pearl cotton really but you can also it comes on a spool so you can put it on the machine with a a lighter weight thread in the bobbin and then you can do lots of creating interesting stitches Um, Sarah Hibbert too we've got her new collection to go with her book all about turning paper collages into quilts she's very experimental with her quilts works by hands and machines so again she She's got mixed weight threads and, yeah, lots of different exciting things. Karen Lewis has got a new box. Joe Avery, Joe Avery with her gorgeous hoops yeah. and temperature quilts and things. So Joe works with a 12 weight thread. It's the only non-cotton one that we do and it's called Orophil Lana and it's got 50% merino wool. Mm-hmm. So it's got this kind of lovely soft texture and Joe does all amazing like French knots and satin stitching and, again, her, her miniature temperature panels with that so we're always here to just help like support the designers who are using our threads and the artisans lots of Orofil artisans that's a a nationwide program they've been coming by as well and sharing their ideas and what they're doing so it's about celebrating them 
and then just educating people because I think lots of people they start quilting and they get their head round all the lingo for fabrics and pre-cuts and what are jelly rolls and fat quarters and what quilt patterns should I make and maybe thread doesn't always actually it's not the first thing that springs to their mind and then as people learn and grow as quilters they get really interested in how they can piece better how they can get more accurate seams why do you use cotton threads what are the creative possibilities and I think our job creating a booth like this is just to get people excited and inspired and try and help them kind of demystify what it's all about yeah and I love how Orphil features so many different designers but you and Kay also have something special in this booth. So tell us about your book. Well, yeah, Kay and I together worked on a book called Quilting with Liberty Fabrics, which was published in 2020 with Lucky Spool. So it was a transatlantic collaboration with those guys, the publisher, with us and with Liberty of London, the iconic haberdashery, um, which was founded in 1875. And this is the first official quilt book that they've ever produced. So kind of 145 years in the making. Um, and I studied art history and Italian at university, um, so worked with Liberty, collected it since I was about eight years old. So nearly 40 years I've been loving Liberty Fabrics, and the idea for the book came about because I decided I'd like to tell the history of the company yeah. through the medium of quilts. So um, there's a quilt project for every decade of Liberty's history, so there's 15 projects, yeah. and either the fabrics that we used um, or how the design was informed and came together is based on the history we worked with the archivist at liberty they've got 50,000 prints in their archive we worked with the design studio there and created the book um, so last year at festival of quilts we had a gallery with all the projects um, and this year like there's some in the exhibition that people have made from owning the book liberty have got um, a booth here as well showing off their new quilting cottons yeah. and in the orifil booth we've got a beautiful quilt that we've reimagined from the book in some more recent liberty fabrics and some thread collections so if you're using liberty fabrics especially the tarn alone yeah um, it's very like like the orophil you know it's long staple cotton um processed it's 50 weight thread is really beautiful with tarn alone so we did a thread collection that went with the book and yeah. um, when that came out and um just again yeah just showing people the possibilities and also the orophil's best-selling colour ever is 2600 and it's a mid-grey oh. and if you're piecing with multicoloured fabrics yeah. you know multicoloured patterns and um, which a lot of liberty is those kind of florals and things like that a mid-grey is the colour that disappears the most oh. when you're piecing and quilting yeah and um, so we keep sending everyone to go and buy one of those <laughs> yeah and this book is gorgeous it comes in a box and where yeah. can they go online to order it um, well, Quilt Folk Magazine in the US, like Champion the Book, we do some work with them, so they always have it online. Um, and in Canada, it's in lots of shops, and it is online as well, yeah. So another thing I wanted to mention, I just want to add in a little note here, that if you're in Canada and you're listening to this and you want to get some Liberty Fabrics, Blue Barn Quilts with Linda Timms is an amazing place to go. You can go online and find it there. And if people want to order thread online... For the designer collections and yeah. everything now, yeah. Orophil actually from the US are, are shipping direct to consumers oh, okay. as well. But also, go to your local quilt shop. They, you know, if they yeah. don't have Orophil, ask them to bring it in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most of them do. <laughs> yeah, it's an easy job for us. Like we're not yeah. Orophil staff, but we run this booth, yeah. and 
people just always come and tell us that using the thread has kind of changed their, you know, it's a game changer, mm. I think, for people when they put it in their machines and have fun playing with it. Yeah. So it's a lovely job to have to do. Can you tell us what your Instagram uh, handles are so that people um, can find yes, you? Yes, yes, I'm at Jenny Smith Sows, uh, it, and it's Jenny with an I, okay. and K is at K N Walsh. Okay. Um, she's a bit shyer on Instagram, but if you follow me, and then you'll generally see what we're up to as oh, well. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing bits of your story. This is a lovely booth. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so I have come across this booth called Cloth Atelier. Am I saying it correctly? Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. So what is your name? My name's Emma Price. And your booth is lovely. It has these gorgeous fabrics and it just, it draws you in. It looks like the fabrics are printed. Yeah, so all the fabrics I've got here are all handcrafted. So I've got block printed um, cloth that is in pigment and natural dyes. And then I've got a beautiful selection of hand wovens that's normally hand spun as well. So. The people we work with, I've known for a long time, um, and I go out to India. I've lived in India for a long time, so this is my passion. This is my love. So it's it's brought to you with love. Just oh, well, the fabrics are beautiful, and so I want to talk a little bit about your tagline: respectful textiles. Yeah. So I buy from people that I know treat their staff well and um, most of them I have actually been out and spent a lot of time with them. So we picked up during COVID a couple of other people, but we've got um, a company called Women Weave that we buy off and they literally support women in India to weave because they normally have the peripheral jobs and don't get paid directly. Um, so everything about it to do, I have to buy it from from my heart, from people that I trust and love. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a wonderful story. Well, your stand is just beautiful. Thank I love it. I love much. the story behind it. Can uh, you tell us if, <laughs> if someone isn't able to come to the Festival of Quilts Birmingham, where can they find you online? So we're at clothatelier.com, so it's very easy. Yeah, okay, and I'll just spell that out. So clothatelier is A-T-E-L-I-E-R.com. Okay. Yes, so um, we're on Instagram and um, yeah, so... Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit of your story. Thank you for coming. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Okay, so what is your name and what's the name of your booth? So my name is Leah Higgins. I'm a textile artist based in Manchester in the UK. And my booth is called Urban Studio North. Well, the quilts in this booth are just gorgeous. They are, they're like multiple prints and, well, you can tell us all about it. But what are you featuring here today? So I am actually demonstrating, I know you can't see it, but I'm demonstrating a process called breakdown printing. It is the thing I love more than anything. It's the thing I use in my own art. It is a screen printing technique where we're using water-based Procyon dyes to print fabric that is organic. It's just something you can't create any other way. Yeah, and so it looks like you're doing multiple colors and mixing things together. Absolutely. Multiple colors on the screen and then the colors will blend as you print. Um, you can use different ways of making a screen to give you lots of different types of mark. Sometimes you work to give you clearly defined shapes. Other times you can work just to give you literally textural marks. Um, it's a really, really versatile technique. So on the stand, I'm demonstrating that. I'm talking about that. I am 
helping people buy a book about that, as well as having all the supplies. Yeah, and you have two books available here. Can you tell us about those? The first book I wrote is called Break Down Your Palette. It is about breakdown printing. It is a really detailed step-by-step guide for people who have never used dyes before, have never printed anything before. Um, It's a really, really, literally a step-by-step guide with lots and lots of photos. My second book is called Colour Your Palette, and it's for people who are colour geeks like me who want to understand how they can translate colour theory, which is usually written for paint, into colour practice for those of us that use dyes. Because dyes don't behave the same way as paints, but with the book it hopefully teaches you how to predict what will happen as you start to mix and use dyes and will teach you how to do that in a reproducible way so you can get back to that perfect colour anytime you like. Yeah, and I can see from the photos on the wall that you have a lovely course in the UK. But for those people who are not living here in the UK, tell us about your online course. So I have an online course. It's based on my Break Down Your Palette book and on the five-day workshop I do in my own studio. Um, I developed it during the pandemic. Like a lot of people, I guess, I had to sort of shifted my business. It is an on-demand course, so you get access for a full 12 months. It is video-based. There's about 24 hours of videos for you to watch, which is actually far more than you'd get if you came into my studio. So I actually have extra techniques as well as some dyeing stuff in there. There's also very detailed notes as part of the course. And I do a monthly Zoom meeting for the students where we do a bit of Q&A. And I am learning as much from the students as they are from me, because guess what? You can't always buy exactly the same chemicals around the world so between us we're figuring out where you can buy what you need and if you need to change any of my recipes but we also do quite a lot of show and tell they will show me their work I might show them what I'm doing in the studio or what my students in the studio are doing you get 12 months access as well as the zoom meetings we have a private facebook group or I offer support by email because I know not everyone wants to do facebook yeah well it's so nice to have that personal touch so if people want to find that online and sign up for it where should they go If you just type in Leah Higgins Textile Artist into our favourite Google, um, you'll find my website. It's leahhiggins.co.uk. There's a tab on there that's workshops and it's right up on the top right hand side. Click on the button. There is a sample lesson where you can actually, it's, I don't know, five or six minutes. You can just watch my teaching style if you like. Um, And then you can sign up online and like I said, 12 months access to everything that's in the course yeah well it's nice to see that tidbit before you purchase well thank you so much for sharing a bit of your story today i really appreciate it well thank you it's nice to meet you okay so i am here in the bernina long arm booth this is a dream of mine to have one of these one day but i'm here with Lindsay upton who is a bernina ambassador so can you tell me a little bit about what you do as a bernina ambassador uh, mostly, it's showing people how to get the most out of their machines. And I do a lot of teaching in person and on Zoom, uh, which is cool. And in the booth here, we have got five different machines from the smallest sit-down machine where you move the fabric yourself right up to the automated version 
which is all programmable and precise, but you can do ruler work, pantograph work, freehand work. The possibilities are pretty endless, actually. Yeah, they look really good. The displays are wonderful, and people are just crowding around the booth, excited to try these out. So when people come up, they actually get to try their hand at doing Oh, of course. We encourage people to have a go themselves and uh, write their name, do a little bit of doodling, because if you can use a pen, you can use a quilt machine. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you teach personally? Do you start with beginners or what do you teach? Oh, I teach all sorts of things. I just, I can teach patchwork, but quilting's my passion. So I'll teach free motion quilting, ruler quilting. I do prefer to stand up um, because that is more like using a pen on a piece of paper. Yeah. So if people are interested in learning from you, do you have a website where they can I go online? I do. It's called The Quilt Quine. So www.thequiltquine. It's a Scottish word for a girl. And can you spell that? Q-U-I-N-E. Because oh, okay, um, I do quite often do these silly little Instagram use flashes. So you can look out for me on Instagram too. Yeah, where can they find you on Instagram? I think it's just the quilt crime. Okay, there you go. Well, thank you so much for sharing a bit of your story today. Oh, it's been great fun. Thank you. And it's lovely to be back at Festival of Quilts and seeing it buzz again. Okay, so we are at the Festival of Quilts in Birmingham and I've come across this gorgeous stand of fabric and I want to know more about it. So what is your name and what's the name of your booth? So my name is Priya and my booth is called Mia Kora, so which means 100 gold coins. It's a mix of Swahili and Maori. Um, and we are designers and artists and we put all our designs onto fabrics. So they're digitally printed. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, so they're digitally printed in India. So we've got a range of colors that we can use. There's no limitations. We can uh, play about with different textures on it. And uh, it's just a bit of fun. It's, it's art on fabric. <laughs> yeah. And are you excited about, you know, bringing across something new this year at the show? Yes, we are. We've been um, coming here as uh, sort of visitors for the past 10 years, but we've never actually had a stall. And uh, we wholesale predominantly uh, worldwide, and we thought we'd give this a chance and okay, see what so, the response is. Yeah, tell us, tell us where you're from then. So I'm originally from Kenya, but uh, I live here. So I'm British Kenyan Indian, and uh, so all our designs are influenced by our heritage. So Indian culture, African culture, um, European culture, and we kind of tend to get inspired by what we see around us, what uh, we believe in, and um, just generally have fun with that. Yeah, and when I stopped by your stand, I I actually stopped. It's breathtaking, <laughs> the beautiful you. fabrics. So can you tell me, if people are not at this show in the UK right now, where can they find you online? So you can find us on uh, miacora.com and you will see all our other artwork on there. So we started off with scarves and shawls putting all our artwork onto that. And then we just started with digital printing and putting it onto fabrics. Quilting was one of the biggest requests that we had. And uh, that's what we started working with. So you can see us online. And if there is anything that they require, they can just uh, email us. But mainly wholesalers, shops that want to stock our stuff because we can customize the prints according to what they want. Yeah. And you ship worldwide as well. We ship, yeah, we ship worldwide. Great. Okay. Can you spell miakora.com for us? Yeah, it's M-I-A-K-O-R-A.com. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing a bit of your story. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm glad you loved it. 
Okay, I have come across this booth full of wool felting. And what is your name and what's the name of your booth? I'm Nadia Rhein and the name of my booth is Nadia Rhein Design. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're featuring today? So I'm featuring lots of things, but probably the one um, most important is the... Um, I do online courses. So for the people who can do it, it's pre-recorded course broken down into the lessons. You can do it whenever you have time. You can do a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow, the beauty of online courses. So you can do it in the comfort of your home. The best place to do felting, if you've never done before wet felting, is probably at the kitchen. The kitchen worktop is a beautiful height, good for your back. But if you cannot stand for a long time, sit down and enjoy it. In fact, a lot of things what you, you can do later while sitting. For example, if you're making flowers, you can watch TV. Or if you have long meetings and you like to doodle, <laughs> instead of doodling, you might do some felting. It's very relaxing, very calming and enjoyable. Yeah, and the result is beautiful. Everything in this stand is gorgeous. Can you tell us a little bit about your jewelry? Yes, obviously, I, I love jewelry. Let's, let's start with that. So I never can pass by a stand and it is dangerous to have next door a stand <laughs> of jewelry. But um, as a felt maker, I love everything um, which is tactile. Yeah. And once I was thinking, why not? So to have a warm, so normally stones are quite cold. Yeah. But my stones are not cold. They are soft. They, you can feel them. And I know that some people who I work with, um, with people from um, cancer survivors. Mm -hmm. So their comments were that, like, they keep touching them, and when, like, when they feel a little bit anxious or something, so that helps them to relax. I have earrings, so sometimes I just go to my ear and feel, <laughs> and feel it obviously everything what I do is very tactile yeah. different feeling so when this scarf we are using super fine merino wool because it goes to your skin yeah. when it is an upper clothes sometimes I use more rougher stuff like Winsleydale yeah. but always very tactile so I hope you would like it yeah well everything is wonderful here I'm, I'm very intrigued by the jewelry it actually looks like it could be metal work or glass work but when you get up close you see the texture of the felt and it's just gorgeous so where are you from in the world and where do you live now I'm based in Leicestershire near Loughborough okay. and originally I'm Russian German from Kazakhstan. I was born and grew up in the Soviet Union. Um, then it became an independent Kazakhstan that I call my homeland because yeah. that's all I knew. Then in 2002, we moved to Germany. And in 2005, I came here because my degree wasn't acknowledged. I went back to the university and Loughborough University became my second base. So yes, Loughborough is now like uh, area of Loughborough is my home. Well, your work is just gorgeous. Can you tell us, if someone is listening right now, where can they go online to find you? If you go to, if, if you're interested in the courses, you go to the platform www.nadia, which is N-A-D-I-A, Ryan, R-E-I-N, design.com. Com. <laughs> and you can also find me on Instagram. It's at Nadirain Design and Facebook at Nadirain Design. Oh, 
Well, wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit of your story. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Okay, so we are here at the Festival of Quilts in Birmingham. So what is your name and what's the name of your booth? Uh, my name's Katrina and uh, our, my designs are with a company called Romdeen, so it's our company. Yeah. And it's all about free stitching and using different textures of thread just to get lovely little designs. And so are you the designer of all these wonderful... I'm the designer. And we are, I mean, we've been working, going quite well, really. Uh, we've grown about 30 years of, of stitching and it's just great to see people uh, enjoy a craft and actually have a go. And that's the idea of having a go and then learning a few stitches and creating Masterpiece. And one of the really nice features of your booth is you actually have a sit-down table where visitors can come and actually do some... You're teaching, aren't you? It's like, I call it a make and take, but the idea is just to try, just to try, if you've never done it before, just come and have a go, sit down, have a chat... It's quite a social thing, uh, and really embroidery. It, it just take you just can drift away into it and really enjoy it. And so, if there are people listening to my podcast right now who are not at the UK show in Birmingham, where can they find you online? We can obviously find us at rondine.com. Well, thank you so much for sharing well, a little bit of your story. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so I have come across this booth with a gorgeous array of bags, and there has to be a story behind this. It's called So Powerful. So what is your name? Hi, I'm Cinnamon Miles. So I'm the co-founder with my husband um, of So Powerful. And this looks like it has a very good message behind it. So can you tell me the story? Sure, yes. Try to get a story in 30 seconds, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have a program that we started with the, the work on the ground there, 2009, um, but this booth in particular is like the purse project. And so the purses is what you're looking at um, here. All the bags, actually bags, sorry, we're in the UK where they're called yeah. bags. Um, yeah, so we have a program that we run where we have a pattern available for free. We let people download the pattern and we ask them to make a purse with their fabric. And so we get those purses collected and then... We have a sewing co-op in the ground in the community there uh, in Zambia. The women are paid and they're making reusable feminine hygiene products. Those hygiene products go into the purse and then the purse is given to the girls in the local community school. That is so great. Yeah, so currently right now, the girls in those communities, when they start their period, um, they they miss school. And that starts as early as 9 or 10 years old. And if they start missing a week a month, um, they, you know, after several months or a year, they're so far behind in school that they drop out, don't finish their education, they don't pass that seventh grade exam. And when we heard about that, um, the parts of the program really started to come together. We had sewing patterns from our e-commerce business, and we tried. We were just trying to figure out like how to get awareness and engagement from from people. Like, have other people care? We were there on the ground, and we met Esther in the community and the school, and you know, to kind of get that passion passed mm-hmm. on to other people um, was kind of the goal early on. So that 2009 to 2014 was sort of that journey of Jason and I, like you know, just trying to figure out how do we get this to be something that we care about to something that's more global and more people can kind of adopt the idea of the whole program. So just looking at the samples here, are these bags made by quilters all over North America? Uh, Yes, and the world, actually. We have collection points. It's so amazing. When we first started, 
uh, we just reached out to our audience, which was United States to Canada mostly. And then um, we have, because we have an e-commerce business, we do have sort of international uh, customers and it just sort of took fire. Once we started to give it away, after we did the first time where we went back to Zambia, we had 493 purses that we had collected the first year. We took video, we got stories, we showed the girls receiving the purses. And then when we shared that online, like through Facebook and all of that, people really started to understand. And just the idea that girls were missing school just connected with people so personally. And then finding that people, mostly women, but people at home that just have this amazing talent for sewing and they kind of just get in this rut or this place where they don't have anybody else to sew for. And Mm -hmm. um, we kind of matched a talent with a purpose. And so we have people that have fabric and the skill and they have this amazing outlet for sewing and and giving back. So, And this would be a great campaign for teens as well if they were going to make a purse to send off because it would make, it would help them appreciate, you know, what they're going through is maybe not so difficult compared to other countries, right? So, okay, well, I really love sharing this story. So if there are people listening to the podcast right now, and they don't know where to find you. Where can they find you online? Yes, it is sopowerful.org. So, S-E-W. Okay. Right. That's yes, that's great. important. Uh, yeah, and all the resources are there. So you can find um, information, just how to download the pattern. But there's also tons of videos about um, the program itself. You can see distributions. You can see different trips that we've been on. We have seamstresses share their story um, in video. Girls share their story Um, A lot of what's happening on the ground is captured there. We have other programs besides sewing that is related to feeding and and a farm. And so you'll see a lot of that um, woven into it, too. What a wonderful story. Thank you so much for sharing little bits of your story with me today. Yeah, thank you. So I have found this booth called The Silk Root. And if you want to go to their website, it's thesilkroot.co.uk. And root is spelled R-O-U-T-E. And it's a really beautiful booth with silk everywhere. And it has sari yarns and sari strips and gorgeous scarves and all kinds of wonderful silks. And they all look as though they were hand-dyed. And they're just really beautiful. So if you want to check it out again, go to the website at www.thesilkroot.co.uk. I am so excited to come across the Yazzie Bags booth. I interviewed her on Zoom on the podcast, and now I finally get to meet you in person. So state your name, and what's the name of your booth? It's Yasmita Megan from Melbourne, Australia, and the booth number is E50. And I'm quite excited to have come back after three years. We're really having a great time, very successful show. Meeting all my old customers has been amazing. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the bags that are being designed? Okay, there's, our bags are very practical and functional in the way they're used for any kind of craft, whether it's sewing, knitting, uh, you know, your quilting, whatever. But I found there was another layer that just was added somewhere about 10 years ago onto our products. And I must admit, Sue Spargo was initially the first person who sort of jumped onto them and started doing some amazing embroidery on them with her wool felt expertise. And then we went on to the sashiko, the borrow, the beading. The It's just been an unbelievable ride and it's just made the business as the second layer at this stage. And with these difficult times during COVID, people really wanted to do something sitting at home and it worked out 
brilliantly because you got a bag that you can actually use forever. On top of it, you've actually made it look beautiful with the technique that you like and enjoy. And you learn something new from all these fabulous designers who are working worldwide and showing you these amazing techniques. Yeah, and it's so nice to be able to make your bag unique to you, right? So what are you most excited about introducing at festival this year? Oh, well, I'm coming back to the festival, to the Houston Festival after three years, and that's been something I'm really looking forward to because I've been there for 18 years and we've had such a big break. But our bags this year, I will be bringing new products just to show them because we were trying to be careful about how we have new products coming in at this stage when we're doing our first trip. So I'll show it to everyone. But right now, our Maxi Yazi, which is our amazing bag for your block storage case, our thread organizers have been popular. There's so many bags out there. We run a range of 38 different products and it suits different types of crafts, English paper piecing. I mean, you know, everyone at this show, it's like, this is the best for craft. This is the best for English paper piecing. Everyone has their own choices, but I do feel that you're going to find something exciting in Houston. Please do stop by at the Yazzie booth. It's been three years and I'm just waiting to see all of you again. Okay. And if there is someone listening to the podcast right now and they're not at the UK show and they're not going to Houston, where can they find you online? It's our website, which is www.yazzii.com. And we've got a very large Amazon presence now. We've definitely started a shop in Amazon and we've got a full website within it. So do look us up there and everything we have comes to you from uh, paperpieces.com in Paducah, Kentucky. That's where our fulfillment center is. So there's nothing coming from Australia, but we are fully stocked in the USA for the Canadian and US markets. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Yasmita, for sharing a little bit of your story. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of you. And if you are at the show, stop by at E50 at the Festival of Quilts 2022. Yeah. Oh, and I just have to say, it is such a delight to meet you in person. It was so fun to have you on the podcast and meeting you in person has been such a pleasure. Thank you. And now some of the quilters and influencers I met along the way. Okay, so we are here at Festival of Quilts, UK, Birmingham, and I have bumped into Chris English. I'm so thrilled. You have four quilts in the show. Can you tell us a little bit about all of them? So yeah, I've got four quilts in the show. And I, I love Festival of Quilts because it's not juried. Anyone can enter mm-hmm. and anyone does enter. And they hang them. And I just think how accessible that is is amazing because you see there's something for everyone. And you see a really wide range of quilts. And I also, I've got four in, but mine are all interchangeable amongst the categories because I don't pay too much heed to the definitions because I'm, yeah. I'm not here to try and win. Yeah. I want just want my quilts in yeah. the show. Yeah, and they all have incredible messages. So Well... They've got some very firm political sentiments in them because I was, over the last two years of lockdown and COVID, I just think some, I, I just don't think our politicians have been in it for the people. I think they've been in it for themselves. And the people have asked me, how the, do they, do my courts visually relate to that theme? No, they don't. But when I was making some of them, I was angry. Yeah. And so the titles are... An expression of that mm-hmm. so they they don't 
there's not an obvious visual connection, but I wanted that message out there and I wanted people to know, even though it's only a few people that might see them, I wanted to know people to know how I felt. Yeah. So let's talk about the Boris quilt. You yeah. Can, you can say the title. So it's called Fuck Off Boris. Yeah. And thankfully he has. Yeah. Or he's, he's, he's <laughs> came, about to. It came and, true. Yeah, it came true. I wish it could come true sooner. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think people eventually woke up to what an idiot he is. Um, but the quilt is, you know, it's made of several different pieces of quilt samples and stuff that I've joined together. And I, my process is to just make these samples and then maybe they'll turn into a full quilt or maybe there'll be samples that I then join together. And it's kind of quilt as you go method. And then I'll put a backing on and I'll quilt into it again. So, you know, all the layers are connected. So it's by definition, it is absolutely a quilt. Yeah. It looks like it has machine and hand stitching. Yeah, I, I love mixing in machine quilting and then hand stitching over the top just to create some contrast. I think contrast is super important. So the giant eight ball, yeah. that, you know, the background is a beautiful vintage stroke antique quilt that yeah. I found at the flea market. Yeah. And I overlaid and applied on the, the eight ball because I love the, the contrast of the graphic eight ball versus the amazing background and the, it was going to get thrown away that quilt it was going to end up in you know bins it was really important to me to rescue it yeah and um i do like to rescue quilts so the vintage quilt was going to get thrown away yeah it was going to get thrown away so for me and so i don't know who made it it was probably made maybe over 100 years ago yeah. but hopefully the person wherever they are now spiritually or physically yeah will be pleased that it's in a show and it's a quilt that gets used. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's, it's had its life extended, hopefully. Yeah, and there's two more quilts I haven't seen yet. I can't wait to see them, but tell me what they're about. Well, they're, they're similar, actually. So there's, one is called, so the, the eight ball is, has the message on it, uh, never trust a Tory. Okay. Uh, again, another political theme. Yeah. And then the other, there's a couple more. The art quilt is, uses some fabric that I screen printed. So we can talk about that. Muhammad Ali is my favourite boxer. I, there's a famous picture of him stood above Sonny Liston shouting at him to get up and fight. And so I've got another quote, which is called Get Up and Fight Sucker, because that's what he's shouting at him. Yeah. Um, but I had some of the fabric left over, and I've incorporated that in this one. And then the other one is very similar to the Fuck Off Boris one, um, and it's called Johnson Out Now. So oh, okay. a, a slightly politer, yeah, yeah. A slightly politer uh, version, but yeah. And there's something interesting on the Boris quilt, actually. Can you tell us about the buttons? Oh, the badges, yeah. yeah. So, yes. Oh, badges, so, you yeah, call them badges. badges yeah. yeah, but they're like pin badges or yeah. buttons. Um, I, um, <clears throat> I found a load at the flea market, and they were, like, of causes that are still relevant today. So one's they're about banning nuclear missiles, save the whale, about CND. So mm -hmm. things that I think are super important. So I just pinned them on. Mm -hmm. And I've got a Canada one on there as well now, <laughs> which is you. amazing. <laughs> so I just, I think... You, Again, I think for me, it's just about expressing yeah. my kind of thoughts and feelings about things. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's fine to pin a badge on it. It's fine. Yeah. And the quilts, my, all my quilts are in use. They all get used. Yeah. So um, that's come off the bed, more or less, yeah. to come here. Oh, well, it has been such a delight to bump into you. Thank you for sharing bits of your story with no me. No problem. 
I'm here in the stand of Linda and Laura Kempshaw. Now, these are people that I have been following for decades. I'm so excited to see their work. I'm not kidding. That doesn't make you old. That makes us well, you know, well, well invested. I don't know. Um, but I'm so excited. I, I didn't find you yesterday and I was a little bit miserable last night in my hotel. But today I have found your stand and I'm just pouring over the art. So, first of all, can you just tell me what you have on display today? So we've got a selection of small works. So often, you know, we're known as quilt makers and we make sometimes big pieces of work, but today we've brought a selection of smaller pieces so we can show some variety. So mainly what we're looking at are small hangings, panels with lots of stitch because we're here to um, support Madeira Threads. We're one of, um, one of their ambassadors and we're launching a new thread. So, but our quilts always use loads of stitch in lots of layers. So machine quilting, digital stitch and hand stitch as well. So the pieces that we've bought are hopefully to illustrate that all those processes used in combination. Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit about Madeira thread? So why that choice for you? Well, the new thread is um, a special one. First thread that is made of lyocell, which is much more environmentally friendly than some other threads. It's made from um, trees, from wood pulp. Um, in a much more sustainable, environmentally friendly way. So we're really excited to use that. Um, so that is kind of why we're here, helping to showcase that new thread, but also our own work as well. Yeah. And one thing over the years that I've loved about your work is the way you kind of capture inspiration in the world. So I've seen you do a lot of sketchbooks and things like that. So when you see something out in the world, how do you capture that to keep and then bring into your art? Oh, that's a big question for, for a one-sentence answer. Um, well, it doesn't have I to be one what, sentence. <laughs> I think what you see here is the tip of the iceberg, if you imagine that that's the full stop at the end of the sentence. Yeah. And all of the work that precedes it is actually the bit that we really love the most, which is all of the sketchbook work, the researching, the drawing and the painting, and all of the other techniques that we do. And then sometimes we make a quilt, and it really is the kind of appendix to everything else that we love to do and when I come in a booth like this I'm a fiber artist and everyone who listens knows that I just want to you know set up shop here and stay here for the whole quilt show and just pour through every little bit so can you tell us a little bit about your online offerings that anyone in the world can take yes so we've always taught workshops and in the beginning they would be in person but then we switched to teaching online and we do that all the time now so we do video classes so they're run through our website and they are sometimes short workshops or sometimes more extended courses. So we have quite a wide offering and you can see the work. So you know we use a lot of different techniques. So we, we cover classes for the art and design side of things, so all of the sketchbooks, monoprinting, all of that kind of thing that we love. But then also the textile side of things. So the freehand quilting, fabric dyeing, fabric printing, um, all of those sorts of things as well. So we try to bring it together. Because I think sometimes for a lot of people there's a disconnect between those two things. So they do something in their sketchbook, which they love, and then they don't quite know what to do with it. They want to make something, a quilt, but they don't quite know how to get what they've achieved on the paper, on the page, into fabric. So that's one of our key things that we like to teach is how to translate those ideas. And often, there's no translation required. You can just do it on fabric just the same as you did it on paper. And that's we try to open that door and let people see that. And um, that's really one of our real things that we love to show. Yeah, sometimes it just takes a moment for you to realise you have permission. Just go ahead and do it, right? Absolutely. And so 
and many of the techniques that we do cross over from paper and, and painting into quilts and the materials as well. I mean, obviously, stitch is the exception. That's the difference. That you don't often use stitch in our paintings or sketchbooks, but sometimes we do. Um, so that's where this is a little bit different here with the work that we're showing because it is a real focus on the stitch. Yeah, and another thing that I really love is that you'll take a theme or a feature and you'll do it over and over and over again in different ways like we see over here. So can you talk about these figures a little bit? Um, they may not look like it, but they're a self-portrait. So they are, um, I, in, they've got a proper title, which is This Is Me, but in my kind of brain, my working title in the studio, just, I just call them the silhouette heads. So they are very, very simplified heads. And the concept behind it was that you have this public persona and it's weird being at the show because people come up to us and they feel like they really know us through the website and through the videos and they say, I look at you everywhere, I watch your videos, I get your email newsletter, you don't know me, but I feel like I know you. Yeah. And that is a bit weird. <laughs> and I feel like these people, they, they think they know me yeah. and I kind of think I'm actually quite private and I don't realise that people think they know me. Yeah. So I did these self-portraits that look very anonymous and it was about having this public persona that feels really weird to have. It feels really strange that people might know my name. <laughs> so it was about being a self-portrait but being something that's very anonymous and kind of almost generic as well, this shape. Because as a human we see a head or a, a figure silhouette and we recognise that as a person yeah. or you see two dots and a little thing and you, oh it's a face you know how we have that human nature yeah. so it was about trying to create a portrait with the barest minimum information really yeah. And it's true, you know, when I actually realized you were here, I thought, oh, all these years I've been watching and, and admiring things that you do. And then I've had this thought, oh, they won't really be here, not really them. But you know what? I really love the fact that you are real people and you're doing real art and it's achievable by anyone. So that is really the message I think we're getting across. We always try to just... I mean, people look and they say, well, that looks really tricky, that looks really complicated. And our number one thing that we always say is it's lots of simple steps and processes all put together, all done at once. And if you break it down into its component parts, everybody can do this. And that's what we really try and convey. So, so this has been Laura that I've yep. been talking to. And can <laughs> yep. I ask Linda a question as well? You can. So uh, you might get this question all the time, but how is the family dynamic in the business? <laughs> Well, we blame it all on my mother, who... I said it didn't start here. No, no, no. <laughs> There's a longer history than that. My, my mother has always sewn and done knitting and so on. So, you know, you just kind of learn it, uh, you know, through the generations. Uh, and when I was quilt, starting to quilt make, I used to take Laura with me. She was a little tot, you know, yeah, five, five or six yeah. years old, um, used to take her. And so you just... You, you've just absorbed it that. Choice, it was it, really? no, but you did but enjoy it. We've always been creative. All the women in the family are very creative, and my mother, my mother's ninety-four and still stitches, and would love to be here. But um, I have to keep giving little video tours for her so yeah. she can see what we're doing today. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> I was just saying about simple steps, but how you use them in combination. Yeah. Um, it's a layering of techniques and our sketchbooks are always layering of techniques and with that just is translated to fabric and to thread um, 
and you know we just love what we do and we're using a lot of digital techniques now um, and pe some people can be quite negative about that can't they but uh, I think we always put the hand of the artist is always to the fore mm -hmm. so even if we're using a digital embroidery design that anybody could access from the internet um, we add to it, yeah. so we give it that personal touch. Well, and another oh, digital aspect that has been incredible has been your photography and the repetition mm. of different motifs in your work. Mm. It's it's incredible. It's nothing. It's nothing less than inspiring. I just love it. Well, that that's good to hear. Thank you. It's amazing, isn't it? How a simple little smartphone yeah. can become a very creative tool for you. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> Well, this has been an absolute pleasure for me, a highlight, actually. So thank you so much for sharing some bits of your story. We've enjoyed talking with you. Thanks so much for stopping by. Okay, so I am here in front of Viral Temperature. This quilt I saw for the first time at QuiltCon, and I was so excited about it because it's such a wonderful story. So I have Nick Ball here, the creator of this quilt. So can you tell us a little bit about the quilt? Absolutely. Um, so first of all, thank you for talking to me. So this quilt started off as a lockdown project. So I wanted something that I could dedicate a little bit of my creative practice to on a, a daily basis. And I'd always wanted to make a temperature quilt. And around the same time, a good friend of mine, Joe Avery, was working on hers. So I decided to jump right in and start during lockdown. So every day I would draw a random shape. And sometimes that would be a, a sort of representation of how I was feeling. Other times it would be from a found object, like a stone or a leaf on a, on a dog walk. And other days it was uh, more uh, shapes of significance. So initials of family members and friends, um, a Christmas tree shape from the 25th of December. And what I would then do is stitch down these shapes onto a linen and then uh, use an old uh, stuffed trapento method to slit the back, use some fibre filling in there, stitch it closed and then sew them all together. And it just created a really tactile visual record of that time. And can you tell us a little bit about the temperature part? So I see the multiple colours. So how did you choose the colours? So first of all, I kind of did a bit of research as to sort of the temperature range that we would expect in Cardiff, where I live, um, and pulled fabrics from my stash that represented that wide range of cold through to hot um, and assigned one temperature to one fabric. Um, it quickly realised during the summer that it was going to get hotter, which I wasn't a big fan of, to be honest. I don't really like the heat. So I had to pull a few more colours from my stash. But yeah, each of these, I think there are 32 colours, represent an individual temperature. And there are also a few white ones in there. So what was the story behind that? There are, exactly. So originally I pulled up to 28 degrees, which was a really bright, shocking pink. And I thought, it's not going to get hotter than that in Wales. Um, and it actually went up to 32. Oh, wow. So the white represents my sort of intense dislike of extreme heat, <laughs> almost as if I'm going towards the light and I can't stand it anymore. So yeah, that's the white shapes. And there aren't that many, which you would expect in Cardiff, but there are a, a few white ones yes. there. And can you tell us about the quilting on this piece? Absolutely. So the, the star of this quilt was always going to be the applique shape. So they stand out anyway because of the trapento effect. So my really, really good friend Trudy Wood, who's an exceptional long armour, has used a double layer of wadding on the quilt and really densely micro-stippled around the applique shapes. So that wadding is really flattened and therefore exaggerating the trapento effect a little bit more. So the background almost fades into nothing and these shapes really, really then stand out. There are a few special little shapes in this quilt. There are. Can yeah. you tell me about those? Yeah, sure. So um, some of my favorites, I'll point them out. So this one here, 
was a collaboration with my friend Ben. When we used to work together, we used to try and name all um, 50 American states um, in order. So he drew this sort of stylized version of the US, which is a quite nice one. Um, this one here was my goddaughter's birthday, and her name is Iris. So I kind of just did a stylized uh, Iris flower. And there's a really cool one. It's a triangle shape, and that day we had really good pizza. Oh, so pizza. it's just like a pizza slice. <laughs> okay. So th- some of them are more comical mm-hmm. than others. Um, you know, some of the initials, A is my mother's name, for example, on the 6th of December which is her birthday H for my father's name Howard on the 21st of December and then F in memory of my grandmother who's uh, who passed away on that day uh, a few years prior so some of them have a little bit more um, sort of significance than others but they're all I like looking at them as a whole and um, you know kind of remembering that time and think oh yeah we did that that day and we found that that day so Oh, that's so heartwarming. And can you tell me a little bit about the shapes that are also stitched in in the quilting? Of course, yes. So the sort of secondary shapes that you can see represent the weather. So what I asked Trudy to do is on the days that it either rained, hailed, snowed, or we had some sort of storm, she would do a series of concentric rings. So one ring indicates rain, two is hail, three is snow, and four is a storm, um, thunder or lightning, something like that. Um, so you kind of need to be up close and personal to see some of them because they they do fade into the background a little bit. But that was just an extra element of recording some information that I wanted to put into the quilt. Well, this quilt really stood out for me because I was following you on Instagram. So I saw some of the processes and then I saw it at QuiltCon. Yeah. But not only did you get into QuiltCon, but it also won something. It did. So I entered it into the applique category, which... Bearing in mind, this is something new to me. I'm a piecer, so I don't sort of venture very far from that. Um, and entered it into the applique category in QuiltCon 22, and it got awarded second place. Oh. So I was absolutely chuffed. And this quilt has kind of grown and taken on a life of its own from very humble beginnings almost as, as just a way to keep me sane during lockdown and, and be a record of Cardiff's temperature. Yeah. It now means so much more, which is always yeah. fun. Well, it's been an absolute delight to see this quilt. And so, But I want to talk about one more thing. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about your book? Yes. So my new book is called Use and Ornament. Um, it's coming hopefully at the end of October this year, so 2022. And this quilt that we're here with now is the cover. So the book is sort of discussing the idea that a quilt can be more than just a functional item. So we have a use. It's a provider of warmth. It can be put on a bed. But there's also an ornamental value there as well. So we try and look at quilts now and, and raise them to the same standards as other art media, so ceramics and, and paints. But also a quilt can be a tool. It can be a, it can be a memento of somebody who you've lost. It can be a, an object of um, rebellion or something, or uh, it can be a protest object. Yeah. So imbuing lots of stories into quilts and having them be multifunctional and having a duality of use and ornament. Yeah, such a great title. Thank you. Okay, and the last thing I want to make sure everyone knows is where can they reach you online, like Instagram or do you have a website? Yeah, so Instagram is the main place to get me. That's where I kind of post work in progress and where I might be teaching, and that is Quilts from the Attic. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for sharing a little bits of your story today. Thank you. It's been awesome. Thank you. (laughs) So I am here at the Festival of Quilts in the UK in Birmingham, and I have come across this wonderful exhibit. It has odd things, unique things, but it's just a joy to look at. So here I am with Roderick Kirikoff with his exhibit, and it also goes along with an incredible book, so we'll talk about that as well. So can you just tell me a little bit about the exhibit in general? Yes. Um, I was happy to be invited by the festival to come and bring quilts from my collection, The title of the book is Unconventional and Unexpected, American Quilts Below the Radar, 1950 to 2000. And that's the general range. Some of the quilts 
can be before 1950, but that was just kind of the specific um, time period that I was interested in. But I was specifically interested in quilts that weren't perfect, just had some soulfulness about them, um, seeing connections between them and modern and contemporary art, but just the things that weren't perfect. They were quirky, odd, soulful. I, I spoke at a quilt guild in San Francisco. Just before I was talking, a woman came out to me and said, oh, you're the one that loves the ugly quilts. Oh. And I just kind of like, she said, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I love the ugly quilts. Yeah. I mean that in a very nice way. So yeah. I've, you said that story for a long time. but Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's so nice that you're bringing these unique stories to light because we're able to read about them, and especially in the book. So can you tell us about the book and how there's stories involved? Well, yes. A lot of the quilts were by what we previously called anonymous makers or unknown makers, a new term that's emerged, artist or maker previously named ah. because they did have a name right. when they were making this, but it's been lost, yeah. so... The other terms, you know, I like anonymous, but um, the other terms can kind of diminish or unknown maker. It yeah. sounds a little so previously named. Um, it's another reason that cu- current makers should be putting labels on their quilts with yeah. their name and when it was made, so we don't have a lot of guesswork. Um, others fortunate to have a name, or it may have come with a name. But I've had to do genealogy or census um, investigation to see if I can actually find that person who did live in that area. Um, Sometimes I have been able to, others not. But it's been exciting when I have actually been able to find, oh, yes, that maker. Here's that maker in the census records. And for a number of generations. um, So, and I never like want to make up stories if there's not information about the quilt i like to look at it and study it and just start asking myself questions Mm -hmm. why did she do this why did she piece it this way or why did she put those colors there um why just the whys and and i find that's kind of sufficient to me to just wonder about her but not like oh she must have done this she must have done that this is what she was thinking Mm -hmm. I don't know I can't no one can make that or say those kinds of things when we don't know we didn't talk to that there's no need to make assumptions it's nice to just wonder yeah and and I do like putting it out to people it's like I've been curious about this or why did she one of the things has been a blank block when she's done repeated a repeated pattern and then she's left one block blank it's just i think it's a wonderful mystery and i've had a number of quilts that have that happening Mm -hmm. so that's just one of the intriguing things that questions that i like to propose yeah 
Well, it's been fascinating. And it's been a buzz around here because you're here and because you have such a wonderful (laughs) display. And so I'm wondering if if you'd be so kind if we could just take a moment to talk about two different quilts. So this quilt in front of us, what's the name of this quilt? It's called Ghost Bunnies. It's made by a quilt artist from Indiana. His name is Philip Campbell. It was part of a series that he did that he called Security Blankets. Ah. Um, I saw it. I had been following him on Instagram, and then he posted the ghost bunnies on Instagram. Um, My husband and I have always said the first thing that you say at the beginning of a new month is rabbit, rabbit, for good luck. He learned it from his mother, who learned it in boarding school. She taught it to her children, and it's just, it's such a lovely tradition, and um, learned that it probably has British origins. Um, there have been articles, sometimes of just one rabbit. I also mm-hmm. met somebody recently that would, their family did rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> um, we both were born in the year of the rabbit, so there's been oh. an affinity to rabbits, but just... It's just such a wonderful tradition to think about that on the first day of every month, to just say that phrase. So here are two rabbits in the sheer fabric to make them look ghost-like, but I just said, is that quilt for sale? And if I could afford it, which I could, um, I'd like to buy it. So all of my quilts, with the exception of a few, are, are vintage. They're yeah. not full antique. They're not 100 years old. Yeah. Um, but I have been admiring contemporary work and have been acquiring a few. I don't want to yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden have another huge big collection, but yeah. it's I like supporting mm-hmm. artists. Yeah. Another thing that I've done is um, help to get them placed in museums. Yeah. Um, point them out to curators or in some cases help participate in the purchase for the museum yeah. because then more people can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't just, I don't have to have stuff. But the back of it, the, yeah. the binding, as you see, yeah. is faux fur, yeah. for faux bunny fur. It's not real. <laughs> yeah. And he used a pink unicorn fabric for the backing. Yeah, so great. It's it's wonderful. And so, well, speaking of contemporary, let's talk about the Zach Foster quilt around the corner. So let's walk over here. And so this is one of your newer ones that you've collected? Again, yes. I had originally bought the top. I had about 100 tops total because unfinished tops that, as I've said many times, I just, they felt like orphans to me. Yeah. Why did they, didn't they get made? And um, or if they have a, an interesting pattern or a lot of fabric or just colorful, playful. I started collecting them thinking, well, I'll do something with yeah. them someday. But I started, I had so many and I just, they were kind of feeling oppressive. Like, yeah. I'm not going to have time to do anything. So the idea came to me, why don't I give them away to quilt makers or artists who want them? I'm not forcing them. Yeah. And said to them, you can do whatever you want with them. If you want to just hang it in your studio as yeah. inspiration and color, or if you want to cut it up, yeah. if you want to finish it as a quilt, quilt it, yeah. you know, just whatever. But I want you to have it. And everyone, without question, was just like amazed that I was giving them away, yeah. excited to have them. And in this case, I 
Zach Foster was one of the quote makers who's, who I like and his work and gave it to him. And I don't know how many months or it may have been a year that he'd had. And all of a sudden I see on Instagram, he's posted, I see the quilt top that he has. Yeah. And then he started, I started seeing letters and then words. And then it ends, the, the phrase is, and this is why America can't have nice things. And I said, I've never heard that term, but it's intriguing. Ask him about it. Um, I think he had, that had, was a phrase that had been used in, in his home. But he said, I, I don't know what to, how to quilt it. I'm confused or just perplexed on how I'm going to quilt it. So I went back to him and proposed or with a question of, have you ever thought of tying it? Because in gathering my unconventional, unexpected collection, I came across a lot of tied quilts. Yeah. And tied quilts that had so many ties on the front, yeah. way more than was needed to hold those three, the sandwich together. Yeah. Um, that was a question that came to me. It was like, why did she do so many? But when they just filled the front of the quilt, they, that came took on like the surface design, this whole another level yeah. of the quilt. So I just proposed it as a question, have you ever thought of tying it? Um, and he did. Yeah. And I love that he did it. The way he did the ties and how prominent they are on the black letters. Because mm -hmm. on the rest of the top, which is lots of printed fabrics, I'm not even aware yeah. of the ties, but yeah. them on the letter, again, from afar, when it's photographed, it almost looks like it's a printed fabric yeah. that the letters are. Um, but I, I went online <laughs> and you know just did some research to more about that phrase and learned that it's been a phrase that's kind of gone around the internet. Paula Poundstone is credited with using. Um, so this is why we can't have nice things. Her mother said that when she broke a precious Flintstone jelly jar. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, you know, her, her mother's precious thing. This is why, this is why we can't have nice things, because yeah. you're going to break them. Um, Zach took more of a bigger, more political um, yeah. picture of using why this is why america can't have nice things it's not about why can't we consume more because yeah. we over consume but why can't we have universal health care why can't we have paid leave why can't we have living wages yeah. things like that so that was the um, kind of the influence or what he was thinking about yeah. by using that phrase yeah and it's so great it's a very strong message but it's also a very important conversation so absolutely. it's nice to see these types yeah. of quilts and shows so you know it's been such an absolute pleasure meeting you and I really appreciate you sharing little bits of your story I would love I've already asked you in advance but I would love to have you on the podcast one day and the answer is still yes oh wonderful yes. well thank you so much for speaking with me today thank you thank you great. So we are here at the Festival of Quilts Birmingham. This is our first day on the tour at the show, and I have already stumbled across the most amazing exhibit. So what is your name? My name is Sarah Hibbert. And I am blown away by this exhibit because it's gorgeous, contemporary, modern. Can you tell us a little bit about the style of your quilts? Yeah. Um, well, I'm a 
what I would class myself as a home quilter. I quilt at my kitchen table. Nothing. I don't have a studio. I don't have a design wall. I just make quilts that I want to make and quilts that I like. Um, and I always use linen. I like the texture of linen and the way it just talks to you and feels you. Um, I like mainly hand quilting, um, but I work full time, so it's very difficult to squeeze that in. Mm-hmm. Um, and also all my hand quilting, they all have my secrets. I, mm-hmm. I stitch secrets into them. Um, but I do machine quilting, but just straight lines. But I also have a body of work where I take it from a paper collage through as a design element, not to make the quilt as a, as a stress buster. Um, each morning I make a, a quick paper collage and then from those I've taken it through to a fabric quilt. I don't make the collage to make a quilt. It just happens afterwards. I think, yeah, I, you know, this one might work. Yeah, and you can see it in the outcome of the quilts. There are some that are pieced and clear on how you would make it, but then there are some that are a collage or almost like an improv, and they're just gorgeous. So congratulations on being chosen to have a display. If there are listeners right now to the podcast who want to find you online, where can they go? Um, I have a website, sarahhibbertquilts.com, and you will find me on Instagram as Quilts Cornerstone. And then my collages are Collages Cornerstone. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing a little bit of your story with me today. Thank you, Brandy. I really appreciate it. Okay, so I have come across this group of quilts on display and they are sparkly and magnificent. So what is your name and what is your display? Hello, my name is Vendul Kabate and I work together with my husband, Olivier. And... uh, the way we work is um, the quilts are, lots of them have got mandala designs. So he is the one who designs the mandala on the back of the fabric. Uh, then we choose together the, the, the front fabric, uh, make the quilting sandwich, and I'm the one who quilted from the back uh, using the pretty thread in the bobbin. And um, once it's all quilted, I hand it kind of back to him and he does the painting. We, we sometimes do it together, but, but he's, he's much better in the quilting part of it. So, so, yeah, he does a lot of it. It's so great. So when he does the painting, it's this gorgeous, sparkly effect. So it's not a glue with sparkles. It's more like a paint. It is a, it is a paint. with uh, They come in uh, glitter colors or in metallic colors and some shimmering as well. Um, it's from a German uh, company called Marabu. And uh, so, yeah, they kind of, they are, in a way, they are whole cloth quilts. But so many people think that they are appliqued because, you know, they, they, and they can't figure out, you know, how did you manage to, they can understand the larger pieces, which are, which, which are painted on because they look like applique, but then they don't understand how could we do the tiny little dots and and things on them. So yeah, it's, um, it's been turning quite a lot of heads. And, and people really love the, the, the exhibition. It has got really, really good response from the public. Yeah, it's very striking. And one thing I love about it is that you aren't just seeing, like you're seeing gorgeous mandalas, but you're also seeing mandalas that are asymmetrical or off-center. And uh, some of them have names on them, like they're about people. So what's the story behind some of the quilts? Yes, well, that kind of came about when we wanted to turn, turn our creations into an exhibition. Um, every piece in exhibition, 
and has to have a name and has to have some kind of uh, description, some kind of blurb written on. And and I was like, well, the descriptions is the same for every single one of them. They are whole cloth quilted, painted. So we thought, um, wouldn't it be lovely to dedicate them to some of the... um, Either either textile artists or just or just people who inspired my my and, and my husband's quilting journey. So you can find American American artist um, um, Alisa Burke, who is um, you know I've seen her many years back on a quilting arts TV. Uh, one Canadian artist on the outside there is a Monica Kinner, oh, yeah. who is uh, yeah yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> we did we, we just recently did a lovely swap of our of our artwork which yeah. was fantastic. So. Um, and uh, uh, one one of them is a lady who lives just near near us where we live, uh, but she is a world known quilter, Lynn, Lynn Edwards, with her you know cathedral windows. She's been you know known for many many years. So it's been it's been just lovely to be able to um, kind of say back you know kind of in a, in, in a way a thank you to to some yeah. of some of the ladies who inspired us, and the largest one of them all who won last year the best in a show in this in the, in this quilt show. Uh, that one is called Our Ladies because when we uh, collected my kids from school um, and I was and I was still in the middle of teaching they would always ask mommy are there any ladies in the shop so we always called our students and our customers they are all our ladies and that one is dedicated to all of our students and customers and the feathers around every single feather is individual and unique just like all the customers are. Oh, yeah, and it's just, it's breathtaking. It's really, really beautiful. Yes. And so can you tell us, for the people who don't happen to be here to see it in person, is there a place where you can see some of these online? And do you have a website? Uh, yes. So um, my husband's name is Olivier. My name is Vendulka. So our business is called Oliven. Yeah. It's the f- first three letters of each of our names. Uh, so oliven.co.uk. Um, but I think that the best way to see them is probably our Instagram account. Okay. Um, uh, Vendulka Oliven, Vendulka Oliven. Okay. Yeah. And Can you so, spell so that out for me? Yes. So V E N D U L K A O L I V E N. Okay. And we can find that on Instagram. They can find that there. Oh, that, that's probably the easiest way how to how to see them. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing a bit of your story with me. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And two of the winners I was able to track down. First, let's have a chat with Helen Butcher. Okay, so it's not very often that you come across a winner during the show just wandering around, but I have discovered Helen Butcher, and she has won in the category of contemporary quilts. So can you tell me, Helen, a little bit about your quilt? Certainly, yes. This is um, a contemporary quilt. It's actually based on a traditional sampler quilt. So it's got uh, cornerstones, but I have reproduced them as a three-dimensional quilt. So each of the traditional blocks I've made on three faces of cube. Um, So I've I've chosen lots and lots of different commercially printed fabrics in three shades of one colour to make the three sides of the cube very three-dimensional and to make it jump out from the background. Yeah, you did an exceptional job of light, medium and dark to bring out that 3D effect. And also you've got an asymmetrical layout here where you've got some little designs in the top left and bottom right. So tell me about those. Well, I love to miniaturize everything. I really enjoy miniature piecing. I do a lot of foundation paper piecing, which is how the whole quilt was been made. And uh, the, the little blocks in the corners, they're like a Chinese chop. So they're like a signature at the, the beginning and the end of a document. Um, so they're just tiny, tiny versions of 
the original traditional blocks. Yeah, and it's matchstick quilted. Can you tell me a little bit about your thread choice? Yes, this is a King Tut thread. Um, and I love variegated threads. It really brings an extra dimension to the background of yeah. the quilting. Um, it comes and goes because of the variegation. You don't see it all, so you just get these little tiny pops of colour yeah. coming out in the, the black. Um, so the, the, the bright colours of the threads jump out. Yeah, you've done a beautiful job with the gradation of colour from top to bottom. And another really little feature that I love is the little flange around the binding. I'm not supposed to touch it, but <laughs> it's so exciting to see. It really draws all the colours from the inside to the outside. So I just want to say congratulations. Well done. Thank you very much. And it was so nice to meet you. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you, Brandy. That's lovely. And now here's my chat with Joe Avery. So um, I am so excited to be talking to Joe Avery. First of all, I, you know, I didn't know a lot about British quilters and I was delighted to listen to Sarah Ashford's podcast and hear about all these wonderful quilters. And one of them was Joe Avery. So when I listened to that podcast, I immediately thought, if there's a chance, I want to meet Joe Avery when I'm in the UK. So I did. And I was delighted to find out that she has a quilt in the show and we'll let her spill the news about how well it did. But first of all, Joe, tell us where you are in the world. Where do you live? Hi, Brandy. Thanks so much for getting in touch and asking me to talk about my quilt. And it was really, really nice to meet you at Festival Quilts. Um, I am just outside Linlithgow, which is a little town that's um, just outside Edinburgh in Scotland. Um, and um, Linlithgow is like a kind of very historical town where there's a palace where Mary Queen of Scots was um, born and they film Outlander around here. Canadians love Outlander, I found. So um, <laughs> so it's a really nice place to be. And we live on a seven acre plot, which we've rewilded. And my husband builds little tiny houses, or, or he used to for a living, like kind of posh caravans. And he built me one for my studio, which I call the schoolhouse. So I am sitting there at the moment, um, surrounded by lots of quilting, paraphernalia and embroideries and fabric, obviously. So yeah, that's where I am in the world. Oh, that <laughs> sounds like a dream location. Yeah, no, it is. I'm very lucky to have this all to myself. It's amazing. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I specifically want to talk about the quilt that you entered into the Festival of Quilts in Birmingham this year. So I see that it was the Quilters Guild Challenge. So what does that actually mean? So the Quilters Guild is really involved with the Festival of Quilts. It's the Quilters Guild of the British Isles, started um, it's like oh, just over 40 years ago. And um, they, they used to just have like a kind of annual exhibition. And then the, I think the Festival of Quilts started... God, I don't even know how long, at least 20, 15 to 20 years ago. And an events company helps them with it, but they are, they're still very much involved. So this is their challenge. So every year they set um, a theme and then it's for Quilters Guild members. You have to be a member of the Quilters Guild to enter it. So it's a way of encouraging people to, to join and a way of kind of giving their, their members something to, you know, um, a challenge quilt to work towards. So this year the theme was um, The World We Share. I mean, they're quite loose terms. You know, lots of things could fit into that, which yeah. which is great. <laughs> um, so this quilt, Intertwined, um, is actually made up of tons of class samples that I was making over the years for a class I do called Improv Flowers. Um, the starting point to that class was actually a workshop I did 
back in 2015, first court con I ever went to, I did a workshop with Anna Maria Horner, which is probably one of the happiest days of my life. Okay. Like it was like total fan girl to Anna Maria Horner, who's amazing. Yeah. You know, this is like the first time I'd gone to quilt con and I was, it was about three quilters from the UK had gone. So it was like a big deal anyway. Anyway, Anna Maria Horner was doing this class on, um, brodery purse, um, and, and improv flowers to create a big fl florally thing. Well, I wasn't kind of so interested in the brodery person. I loved just, I've always done improv. So I just loved this kind of freedom to create some stuff. So when I got back, I took some kind of elements. Well, I actually created a sort of mini quilt called Improv Meadow with loads of different um, examples um, that, I, that I tried in the class and other bits and pieces. Um, and I turned that into an evening class because I ha had my own studio where I used to teach. Um, with loads of stuff. And then I kind of took just a few little units from that class, sort of three different things, maybe four if you, and, and it could be like a half day class or a full day class. And I've been teaching it ever since. So probably since about 2016, 2017. And every time I taught class, I would make one of these samples and they were about a 20 inch square and it's kind of like two square flowers mm -hmm. and a kind of an opened out wedge type flower and then with um because I do this thing called tendrils technique where I do a kind of tendril of of applique which you can do needle turn or you can also kind of do a turned edge on the machine so I just kept coming up with these and they were mounting up and I um I had about 16 of them in the end when I got back from Sweden I was like right I'm gonna make the quilt. I've got enough of the nearly enough now I'm gonna make one or two more and I'm gonna finish this quilt so um and I thought you know this could work really well with this quilt skills challenge because you know I talked about how I rewilded we rewilded this place and I'm very keen on living well with nature mm -hmm. and you know the whole idea of intertwined was that you know our futures are completely intertwined with nature and the planet you know we're, it, there's no future for us without without looking after nature and wildlife so there was a message behind that that's very close to my heart and I thought that using these improv flower blocks and then intertwining all this extra I created all these extra tendrils that that started in one end and went through you know once I put the whole uh thing together they kind of like traveled through the quilt it's quite hard to see how it's I like quilts that I look at and go how do they do that right so mm -hmm. I always want to make quilts that make other people try and work out how yeah. I did it so I think it's, it's some of those elements in there so yeah so that was really the uh, and I really love the quilt actually it's it, it's definitely I like a quilt that's like basically I think most people look at that quilt that know me and we go oh that's Joe's quilt because it's um yeah. it's very much my style yeah. um I love to to put in more than one technique so I'm mixing improv with applique doing that all the time you know I'm I'm very easily bored so I like a lot of Shove it. I'm a very more is more person as well. Shove everything in. All the colours are in there. It wasn't planned. You know, it was something that, that evolved. So I like that whole organic thing. You know, every time I, I had to teach that class, I would just grab my newest fabric, right? So like it wasn't like it wasn't going to go with the next time. Yeah. But it all goes because, you know, it's all fabric I like. So it kind of goes together. So yeah, I love it. And there's a really strong element of innovation there because when you see improv, a lot of times, you know, it kind of can turn out to be quite chunky. But when you... Mm -hmm add in those tendrils, those 
they, they look, they're stems and leaves of the flowers. Yeah. It just adds this beautiful flowy element. So, so if you're listening right now to the podcast and you're wondering, what does this quilt look like? You will see it in the Tuesday podcast preview because I'm interviewing just two winners in this show. I'm interviewing Joe Avery and Helen Butcher, also the contemporary winner. So those pictures of those two quilts will be in the podcast preview. So you'll be able to see them. Um, but I want to describe this quilt a little bit further. So in case you're not able in your, you weren't on my email list and you didn't get a chance <laughs> It. So it is 16 very large blocks and it has this gorgeous low volume background and it has these chunky, beautiful improv flowers in every block. And then there's also even little hexy flowers in there. And the tendrils that Joe's talking about are just flowing in all different directions, but they're really well balanced throughout the quilt. So I really enjoyed looking at it. I was kind of astonished that I, you know, I hadn't realized she was in the show until the last minute. And then I just poured over it. So I was really excited to find it and see it. And the colors just work so well. Even just if you just take all the color out of it and just look at the greens, they're just so balanced. There's a nice uh, change from darks to lights. You know, it's just really balanced throughout the quilt. So you can tell that it's a color palette that you love. I really like the fact you picked up on the balance because I spend a lot of time staring at my design wall trying to make sure I've got a good balance of shapes and colors and things like that and you know so it's very nice that you appreciated that thank you Brandy yes, balance <laughs> is so important and you know as uh, you know I've been judging quilts for years and as a quilt judge you don't often get more than three to five minutes looking at a quilt but when uh -huh. When they do get pushed ahead to the winner's circle, or they're, they're, they're in contention, that's when you have more time to look at them. And at that point, I love to kind of deconstruct a quilt in my mind. Like, so I will look at just the balance of the green, for instance, or I will, I will look at all the square log cabin flowers, see how they're balanced. And then I'll look at the fan flowers. And actually, I've been looking at the hexes and see how they're balanced. So it's really been fun. And also, one thing that really struck me was that you've done all this glorious improv everywhere. And then I was imagining there must have been negative space after you finished all the improv and then you started the tendrils. And so, I, you know, I was kind of wondering, like, how did you get the tendrils in there? And are the so the hexes and the tendrils and the leaves on the tendrils, are those all um, they're all put on afterwards and they're just needle turned or they're the hexes are yeah. EPP, right? Yeah, that, so it's EPP that is their needle turned afterwards. Yeah. So um, and okay. some of them. Like, so, so I think, um, you know, one of the samples had like a, a really big piece of um, background at the top of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, you know, because I think I, I don't think it is 16. I think there's actually um, the two blocks in the middle of four uh, are like is like kind of two by eight. Yeah. And then I think I think at the outer edges, the strips there, because it was done with strips, yeah. are actually three blocks each because oh, I didn't want to yeah. have to make more blocks so yeah. I ended up making them a bit longer adding extra negative space to those blocks and then that gave me this space so you know I am not a great planner I'm very much an organic well like you know that so a lot of this is serendipitous you know I didn't I couldn't have planned this quilt that's not the way I work you know it has yeah. to it has to happen spontaneously I'm very much I pick my colors very much how my mood is you know so I'm you know uh it's it's it just happens really which yeah, is I hard mean, to tell people that are like how did you do this, do this? I'm like well I just yeah. you know I made it up as I went along obviously you know yeah <laughs> another thing I really love about it is the the use of low volumes so sometimes yeah. when people are using low volumes for the first time 
they will they tend to make something that is just so close in value that looks all over like a bed sheet you know and but what you've yeah. done with your low volumes if you have enough variation in low volumes that it really looks good like so it's balanced and there there are some prints in there and it's just not all just all over beige or all over gray it's not doesn't yeah. look like one value it looks really good. I, I find that just a a, a solid background it's too much for contrast and I love to soften but I, I do this a lot like Fins is a, a quilt that I had in the show last year that got a judges award mm-hmm. um has a gray background but I couldn't just do it all with the same gray so I found as many grays as possible you know because um yeah I'm always doing that I feel like the low volume is fantastic because it gives you this sort of smudgy background and then you can put really quite bright colors on top of it mm-hmm. um but you don't have that harsh contrast. Again, it was made over over many years. This, so I was always buying more fabric. More, I'm always looking for low volumes, and then I've always got a new low volume to put. I have another quilt that I will hopefully quilt this year, which is all the other class samples from another class I've done, which is called Freehand Curve Landscapes. And again, I've used a variety of backgrounds each time, adding them as I go, and it, and it, it will again give this kind of not the same as that, but. I, I, yeah it's it's fun to do it that way right you know I mean yeah, absolutely so where were you in the world when you found out that you had won a prize how did they oh well you? actually I was out with uh having dinner with Sarah uh, Ashford who we've discussed and a guy called Mark Francis who was on the Great British Sewing Bee so which is our you know I know with it I'm sure you get you managed to get it over there yeah. so I think he was on series six anyway Sarah's been uh, I'm we had done the Stitch Festival together, which is this show down in London in March. And I'd had an embroidery exhibition. My modern cruel embroidery book had just come out. And Sarah was had books out. So we'd, we'd had the kind of joint exhibition. And she got chatting to Mark, who had lost his voice. So he couldn't really chat. <laughs> it was quite funny. Um, that was really bad timing for him. And so she's become kind of friends with him. And he lives near Festival Quilts in a place called Kenilworth. So she'd arranged it all. She's a great networker. So she, she, I just followed her and we were having a lovely dinner with him. And I went to the toilet and I saw there was a voicemail message on my phone and I listened to it and it said it was Sarah from the Vessel Quilts. And I was like, I must be something about my classes because I'm teaching quite a lot. Maybe there's a problem with one of my classes. So I rang back and she was like, oh, you've won a prize. And I was just like absolutely flabbergasted. I completely <laughs> forgotten about the fact that this happens. And having never won a prize before, I wasn't really sure what, you know, the drill of it all. And basically they tell you that you've won a prize, but they won't tell you anything <laughs> else. And they want you to come to the prize winning. Well, the prize winning was between 12.30 and 1.30 and I was teaching class at one. So I was like, well, I can come, but you know, you have to give me my prize early. She's like, all right, we're going to have to find out which one it's for because I'd entered three quilts. I couldn't, I couldn't say which category from, I couldn't say which category. So she rang me again the next morning. And she said, it's the Quilters Guild Challenge and it's the first one we give. So you can oh, make it. Nice. And then, did actually find out which that I'd been placed you know where, where that I got first prize so yeah. I was like I'll have got third prize I mean like, <laughs> I would have been happy with that delighted it's so hard to get anywhere with these courts you know there's so much luck involved and then um I saw Nick you're talking about Nick Ball and he's on the banana stand right yeah so I said to Nick I've, I've won a prize and yeah. he was like I know and I was like oh how do you know he goes do you want to know what it is and I was like yes so, <laughs> It's the first prize I saw them putting it up because they have to put it up in the winner's gallery and then they cover it over straight. But he's he saw them putting it up because yeah. he's, he was setting up the show. You know, they do all this before the show opens, but he was setting up the yeah. banana stand and he knew it was my quilt. And he went, that's Joe's quilt. So, oh, how <laughs> so yeah, so that's like, I should probably say all this, right? But, you know, <laughs> like, kind yeah, of what no. happens. 
<laughs> we so won't I was prepared. <laughs> I think people love these behind the scenes stories anyway. So I was completely prepared for it. But even so, before they called my name out, I was like, they're not going to call my name out. I've made all this up, you know, <laughs> total imposter syndrome. <laughs> They've made a mistake, have they? No. Yeah. This isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> that is so delightful. And so tell us about the prize. Oh, well, you get you get a big, um, like a heavy thing, which I had to carry my handbag for the rest of the day, like a kind of clear perspexy thing. And it says you've won this particular award. I had to go on stage and, and get the award. And then you win a thousand pounds, which is like a lot of money really for a quilt. And it's hard cash. It's not in vouchers because I have actually won a, a Scottish quilt championship which is a very much smaller show and it was 300 pounds but it was in book vouchers so not the same thing <laughs> but yeah so it's a thousand pounds and it's sponsored by Benina so thank you very much Benina um for sponsoring that I'm um, very appreciative because you know if they didn't sponsor the show people I guess would it would would not so many people would uh, send their quilts around the world to it because there was a lot of international winners um and yeah so I should get that soon I'm like what am I gonna do with that because you don't want it just to go to your bank account and pay for groceries right you know so I, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about doing something crazy with it yeah. um I'll have to let everybody know yeah I mean you know you got to make the most of these things when they happen it probably never happen again um, because I, do, I honestly do think, and I'm not being sort of like falsely humble, but but quills, are so, it's so subjective. I mean, you know this from a quilt judge, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's so subjective. I mean, it was it was probably just the right category, just the right quilt, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and the judges, though particular judges really liked that one and it really stood out. I could have put it in another year and got nowhere. So, you know, I, I'm, I know that there's a lot of lot, luck and timing involved in these things. So I'm not like, oh, I'm the best quilter in the world and I'll always <laughs> win a prize in that one. This totally maybe the the first and last time this ever happens. And I'm, I'm very grateful for the experience. It was very, very fun. Oh, that's so wonderful. And what a generous prize by Bernina, of course. Right. So, yeah. you know. So the one thing I was thinking was I've always wanted to see Billy Joel in Madison Square Gardens. So that would kind of go, I mean, you know, obviously it's not just the tickets to that. (laughs) I have to get to New York and bring something like my, convince my husband this is a good idea. So that, but I'm kind of thinking next year, you know, maybe we could do that. So that's my thoughts at the moment for sort of a crazy kind of like, you know, thing that, you know, I've always wanted to do it. Let's make it happen. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, nice Oh, yeah, that would be so great. I think I would fly somewhere in the world to see Sarah Milliken. She's my favorite comedian. Have you heard of her? <laughs> she's so- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I know. She's very dirty. Like, I know. She's filthy. <laughs> my favorite. I love her. I have yeah, loved she's kinda, She looks all sweet and innocent, and the stuff she comes out with. Yeah. Oh, no, she's great fun. I love her, yeah. Yeah, she's perfectly my kind of humor. And I've looked everywhere in the world to see where she is, and nothing ever lines up with where I am at the time. But I almost got got to see her here, but it would have been a a three-and-a-half-hour drive both ways. So it would have been just too far. It would would have taken – That's nothing you Canadians, though, right? That's, like, a lot for us. But that's, like, that's – you know. (laughs) <laughs> that's true but I don't have a car here I can't drive here yeah I, yeah I would crash for sure if I had to drive on the other side of the road <laughs> yeah but that's so fun well I have to say congratulations I was so thrilled to come across mm-hmm. your quilt and realize mm-hmm. that you've won can you give us a little snippet about the other two quilts that you entered just to tell us what those were about 
Yeah, I actually did well with one of those as well, which in, in any other year would have been delighted for. So one of them is called Journey to the Centre of Flower. And again, it's from a class sample. <laughs> so um, I like using stuff up. And I teach a class called Journey to the Centre of the Earth, um, which is improv. Um, I teach a lot of freehand foundation piecing, which is using... Um, not paper, but using like a foundation fabric, tend to use a sewing interfacing and drawing up your own templates, doing a lot of wonky curves and adding in applique and things. So, and um, I was teaching a, a similar class to that at festival called Pattern Rings. Anyway, so um, I didn't want to make another journey to the center of the earth. So I made this one called Journey to the Center of a Flower. So mm-hmm. it's like a kind of macro thing with like a giant flower and then all the kind of pattern everything going into the circle center and that so that was in the modern category and that got um a judges award and shortlisted so oh. super happy with that that's great isn't it yeah yeah so um you don't win any money though <laughs> but that's it's the honor yeah you know, that was really good. and then the other one I had in was my temperature quilt so I did um a temperature quilt just after lockdown started it's called weather bubble and in fact I, I was actually lecturing at festival quilts on temperature quilts and how to make them because I've become like obsessed. So I'd put a whole lecture together. I did a webinar for the Modern Quilt Guild because they had put this call out for their special exhibit. And um, I was one of the ones that sort of started it quite quickly. So I was part of a webinar with a couple of other quilts that had already made theirs. So yeah, so I felt like, yeah, this is my thing now. I've done a weather uh, temperature embroidery last year. So I love that quilt. It's actually my husband's quilt. He loved it so much. I gave it to his birthday last year and then it's pretty much been exhibited nonstop since then. So he's not seen it. Um, <laughs> it still hasn't come home with me because I couldn't fit it in my case when I picked <laughs> them up. So my sister's taken it. So I'm, one of the things I was most happy about with winning that quilt when it came to the picking up my quilts was that I didn't have to collect the winning quilt because it goes off now to be exhibited at some other shows with the kind of winning quilts. And I was like, oh, thank God, I've got no more room in my case. <laughs> the first time I've tried to pick them up. And I was like, that's the best thing about winning. I don't have to take it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the other quilt. So that didn't win anything. But it was nice for people to see that one. Um, be- you know, one of the reasons for putting stuff into the show is to sort of share these things that people see on social media a lot. And then they get to actually see them. And I kind of, you know, so a lot of people like to see that because they'd heard so much about it yeah okay well we will end today with a huge congratulations on your first prize win for the quilters (laughs) challenge and i want to be able to connect my canadian and north american audience with you so what is your website and where can we find you on social media okay so uh, social media to start with so on instagram and on facebook i'm joe avery stitch Um, and then my uh, website is stitchgathering.co.uk. And then I have a blog, which is joeavery.co.uk. But the blog and the website are connected. So if you manage to find your way to the blog, just by Googling Joe Avery, you can go to the shop. And if you're at, the, at stitchgathering.co.uk, you can see the blog. So kind of just if you just Google Joe Avery, you should get to me. But I'm, yeah, or Joe Avery Stitch, you'll find me anywhere. Okay, absolutely. And don't forget that Joe does not have an E. And if you love hand stitching, you must find Joe Avery's Instagram page. So go <laughs> check it out. Thank you so much for sharing little bits of your story with me. It's been a pleasure, Brandy. Thank you so much for asking me. So that was the recap episode of my big trip to England and Wales and the Festival of Quilts Birmingham. I had so much fun meeting so many interesting and highly skilled people in the quilting world, and I also did a little bit of shopping. 
Okay, a lot of shopping. I hope you enjoyed these stories and interviews as much as I did. Do you think you'd like to join me on a quilt travel adventure? I'm telling you, it's a luxury to have every detail planned for you. My goal is to bring you joy in the moment on a wonderful tour each and every day. My upcoming trips are the Caribbean cruise with Stitch in Heaven in May and Morocco and France in 2023. We're even planning to do this England trip again in 2023 as well. So go to the Quilter on Fire website, click on workshops and events, and then retreats and travel to see it all and be sure to sign up for my email list so you get the opportunity to sign up as soon as registration opens. Again, I'd love to travel with you. Are you loving this podcast? Thank you for listening and liking and sharing. The kindest thing you can do is share a creator's adventure with your friends. Thank you for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.